morning, God bless you, sir. Good morning and God bless you, church. My name is Joanna. Today I'll be reading from Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please, we, we thank you for Jesus. Please help us understand your word and help Uncle CP to speak words of faith and use this sermon to bring glory to your name. Amen. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the net for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've had, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of our Lord. Join. All right. Thanks, Joanne, for that prayer and reading the Bible for us. Well, some of the few good things of a new preacher is that they have new stories to share. So I'll start with an embarrassing one. Um, yeah, I was probably 10 or 12 years old, and uh, I went to buy some uh, snacks from a local shop with my grandpa. And uh, I am old. Right, so in those days, in my days, um, we didn't have machines uh, that sca scan the barcode and then it adds up the total and then you just pay. Um, no, it was instead a shopkeeper would have a calculator in the counter and which they would use um, to add up. But Indian shopkeepers are pretty good. Like if they would use the calculator only if it's like seven to ten items or more, right? Um, so. This shop was not in my locality, 
and as we were visiting our relatives, um, so me and my grandpa go to this shop, and the shopkeeper is an old lady. I shall. So, a little bit of context. That's where I'm from. That's Indian map, and that's my native. That's Tamil Nadu. We speak Tamil there, and that is Gujarat. That's where I was born and brought up, and we speak Gujarati there. Now, these two languages are like German, Chinese, very different, very different, right? And people don't speak in Tamil in Gujarat. They don't speak that language there, right? So what happens? I enter this uh, shop, and I choose, oh, I want this, this, this. And then the old lady collects the items slowly, one by one. She turns around, adds puts in the calculator. By that time, I've added up. I was good at mathematics. I mean, good at adding things. So I told my grandpa, 52 rupees, you know. So he was happy with my um, adding. Um, but this lady, very slow, right? Putting slowly. And this 10-year-old got frustrated and started ranting in Tamil. He switched in secret language. And he was like, look at this slow lady. Can't even count small numbers? Wasting my time? Huh? As if the 10-year-old had to go home and launch satellites. Uh, but anyways, the old lady gently packs the items in the bag. And while handing over the bag to me, she says, Which means, I speak Tamil. <laughs> and there was complete silence. There's a gentle stare from the lady. And a chill went down my spine. <laughs> and then even my grandpa is standing behind me is quiet and silent because even he's feeling guilty because he didn't stop this 10-year-old from ranting, right? That moment, all the sins that I've committed in the last two minutes flashed in front of my eyes. And I thought, this, the things that I've done in the secret were always in the secret. But no, it was not. And to know that fact was terrifying and confronting. Then what? I obviously ran out of the store, leaving the packet and the grandpa alone with that lady. And I ran away. I didn't want to look back, and it haunts me till this day. Well, I dare not take pride of my languages thereafter and speak unkindly of others especially in secret languages. All right, today we are going to look into a Bible passage uh, that talks about Simon Peter's encounter with God, with Jesus, um, way bigger in magnitude in terms of being confronted and terrified. Um, we will discover that encounter with God changes everything forever, a lasting effect. It's not a one-off experience. Well, if you do not know me, I am Srinath Chitravelu Puchin. That is my first name, the whole thing, and you can call me CP. Um, I'm one of the mission partners here uh, at CP Church, and I'm getting trained in gospel ministry at Griffith University Nathan Campus uh, by AFES, and my trainer is Mr. Anton Trianto, who has been uh, training me for the last two and a half years faithfully in the Word. And part of my job is to know students and the bigger and more important part of my job is to help students to know God. And welcome to Cooper Springs Evangelical Church, where we're all about making devoted disciples of Jesus for God's glory. 
And if this is your first time or you're visiting us for the first time, a very warm welcome to you. Today we are looking into one of the four accounts or biography of Jesus uh, that are known as Gospels, meaning good news. The Gospels talk about life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. We are going to look into the Gospel of Luke, written by who? Not too hard to guess, Dr. Luke. Um, Luke tells us that he writes this orderly account while conducting thorough investigation, including the eyewitnesses, because they would be still around as Luke wrote this account just a few decades after Jesus' ascension. So pretty legit. All right. Let's move on. So Luke tells us in verse 1 of chapter 1, like why he wrote this account. So many have undertaken to draw an account of things that have been fulfilled among us, just they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, and I too decided, decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So this account was addressed to a probable Roman official named Theophilus. And why did Luke write this account to him? Verse 4. So that you may know the certainty of things you have been taught. So that Theophilus can be certain of things that he has been taught about Jesus. Whatever you have heard about Jesus is true and certain. And what was taught about Jesus? That's in the last chapter of Luke. Which is, Jesus says in verse 44, Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And what was written? Verse 46. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is what Theophilus and us readers are being assured by Luke. So we are jumping straight into the passage of Luke chapter 5. In the previous chapters, Jesus has just come out of uh, being tempted by Satan in the wilderness and has healed few sick, including Simon's mother-in-law and some demon-possessed. So he's pretty, pretty famous. He's become a famous uh, celebrity there. And therefore, Jesus is the new sensation and who is teaching with authority and has authority over sickness and demon-possessed. So quite a celebrity. So just before the beginning of chapter 5, Jesus, Jesus makes it absolutely clear that his priority is to go around and preach the good news. And that's why he came. So in this journey of preaching, he reaches the lake of Genesaret, the Sea of Galilee, and that's where we start our passage today. Verse 1 and 2 sets the stage. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Zanasaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So verse 1, people are eager to listen to this man, to Jesus, and that they are pressing and crowding around him. It's like Jesus is giving a live concept. Like people are trying to get close to the stage or the ramp 
so that they can have a hi-fi or have a piece of him. It is complete chaos there. And wow, the eagerness. The eagerness to what? What was this live concert about? Listening to the word of God. Until this moment, only the evil spirits have recognized Jesus as God, not the humans. So Luke here wants us readers to know the state of the listeners, where that they are eager to listen, believing that Jesus is sharing the words that come from God or words that tell about God. And that's what Jesus wants to do, preach, right? So verse 2. So Jesus sees two boats and fishermen winding up the day and washing the net, that is washing the nets, and so the stage is set. Verse 3. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. So we see Jesus gets into one of the boats. Simon's specifically, not a coincidence, we'll see why. So this superstar teacher asks Simon to put out a little from shore. It's like you're closing a restaurant and someone steps in at the last minute. That would really put me off. I don't know about you, but rather, Simon, no questions asked. He's like, all yours, Jesus, go for it. This could be out of respect to the preacher or cultural way of respecting hierarchy. And remember, Jesus has healed Simon's mother-in-law, right? Still, let's give it to Simon and say he's obedient to his teacher. So Simon and Jesus are a bit from the shore, which makes Simon the closest listener. It's like having a gold-class ticket in a cinema where you have the best seat, the best view, and in this case, the best audio. And Jesus sits down in the boat and starts preaching. Verse 4. Thank you. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So the preaching is finished, and finally Simon can go home. Wait, that's what we think. But rather, Jesus himself does not choose to go home to rest or to do more preaching. That's what he usually does. But Jesus rather chooses to hang out with Simon. Hmm. Something to note here. Now here's a command with assurance. And let down the nets for a catch. Jesus is not saying, oh, let's try our luck. Or let's see if we can catch some. He's saying, let down the nets for a catch. And that's assurance there. Let's see Simon Peter's reaction in verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, hmm, I will let down the nets. So he's saying, Master, someone with authority, again, a sense of respect there. But let me paraphrase what Simon Peter is saying in verse 5, if it were me. Mr. Son of a Carpenter, we are skilled fishermen by trade. We have worked hard all night and are tired. We have tried all the tricks and wisdom of fishing, yet 
no fish. I don't know where is this going. I'm not sure if I can trust. But you know what? I'll give a go. My mom is the best driver in the whole world, even if she badly sat on a driver's seat. I mean a backseat driver. She's actually pretty good at it. It's like having a talking 360 camera sitting in your car. It's very handy in countries like India where, yeah, people are attacking you from every angle. Well, actually, she's the best safety feature of my car. So something she's good at, even if she doesn't do it often. She has a license, though, so you know how it works. We normally don't do something just because someone asks us, right? Usually we find it irritating when we are given directions. But when it's your mother, there is something, this authority, that makes you obey, isn't it? That something about Jesus makes Simon Peter say, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Again, could be out of respect. Or saw the authority in his preaching that he has just heard. And also, let's remember again, he, Jesus has healed Simon's mother-in-law in the previous chapter. So rather being skeptical, he's letting Jesus have a go. So what did that lead Simon Peter to? Verse 6 and 7. When they had done so, they caught a, such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Such large catch that it's beyond the nets could hold. Beyond what the nets were made or designed for, maybe. Not just the nets. Beyond what the boats could hold. Actually, no, two boats could hold. The boats and the nets were not made for such a kind of catch in that area. So probably the biggest catch that Simon Peter would have ever witnessed in his fisherman career. Way beyond his imagination. Guys, Simon is witnessing the magnitude of Jesus' authority and sovereignty over creation here. It's as if the fishes voluntarily jumped into the nets. The same sea that didn't give him a single fish all night. Now the nets are breaking, the boats are sinking. Simon is witnessing God's sovereignty that the nets are unable to hold. God's sovereignty which is sinking the boats. Simon letting Jesus have a go led him to witness something his mind couldn't comprehend. Jesus in Simon's boat is no coincidence. Jesus has revealed himself to this fisherman in his own language by fishing fish. The amount of catch made it clear, absolutely clear to Simon that this man in his boat is not there to just help him out with fishing. That was clearly not Jesus' purpose on the boat. Otherwise, Peter would have turned back to Jesus and would be like, 
All right, Jesus, you're hired. Well, that was not the case. The catch was significant. It has revealed a lot more about Jesus. But then what was his purpose? Out of everyone there, what did Jesus want from this fisherman? Why did he choose to reveal his might and sovereignty to Simon? Let's find out. So at this point, Simon Peter has worked all night. Listen to Jesus preach, and now the catch of fish. Simon would have been so intimidated by Jesus' authority over creation that it would have led him to a dreadful realization of how much Jesus could know him. His struggles, his sinfulness. In fact, his whole life would have flashed in front of his eyes, like that of the 10-year-old me in front of the old lady. He's feeling vulnerable. He's feeling caught. He would have been convinced that this man in his boat is no coincidence. Jesus entered Simon's zone, his arena, his forte, and did something incomprehensible. He's convinced that he is completely known by this master in his boat, inside out. He would have felt completely exposed, completely naked, nothing hidden. And let's affirm these thoughts through Peter's reaction in verse 8 and 9. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. It was astonishing. So he's on his knees. Go away from me, Lord. Lord. Therefore, this is not being disrespectful here. And not because he's scared of privacy issues like we have in our social media era. That Jesus can misuse the information of knowing him inside out. See, Peter didn't completely trust Jesus with the catch in the first place. Was doubtful in the beginning. And see, teaching was fine, healing's fine, fishing, maybe not. That's my zone. I know how hard it is. You know what? That's exactly why he could recognize Jesus' authority after the catch. So it's more of, you're too good, and I'm too bad for you to be associated with me. I am a sinful man. This is Peter feeling exposed. Nothing is hidden from this master. Nothing. He felt Jesus could look right through him. Therefore, he's on his knees after witnessing God's authority, declaring the state of his heart sinful. Guys, sin is when we rebel against God or disobey Him. Trust and give glory to worldly things over God. And an encounter with a true living God will always lead us to recognize how sinful we are and how holy He is. 
Now, because Simon has been revealed about his sins, Simon felt that his sins would taint Jesus or could be a stumbling block to his ministry because he has just heard him preach. Therefore, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. How many times, after falling for temptations and being won over by my sinful nature, I didn't want it to be near God. I didn't want it to talk to God or seek Him in His words. I just wanted to run away. Because my sins would weigh me down so heavy that I would feel my sins are beyond forgiveness. I couldn't forgive myself. Then how is God going to forgive me? I felt ashamed even to pray. I felt like I let down God. And and I know he knows everything. So dare not look at him. Therefore, I don't want to face him. Why does he want to be a God of a sinner like me? I am not worthy of your grace. Go away from me, Lord. I am sinful. If that's you, my friends, this is what Jesus has to tell Simon and us who are feeling like we are in the same boat as Simon. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I have got this. Jesus is saying these comforting words to the man who is going to betray him three times a night before Jesus is crucified. After spending three years of ministry with him, witnessing all the miracles and teachings, like having the gold class ticket for three years, then betraying God? He betrays God. And then this is what Jesus has to tell him. Don't be afraid. Do you feel the magnitude of his compassion? Jesus calls sinner not based on our merits or how we perform. If that were the case, no one is making it to the finish line. No one. In your resume to God, you just got to write, I am a sinner saved by grace. God accepts sinners. You are in. Don't be afraid. Stop running away. He is compassionate. In fact, he works with sinners for his glory. How amazing. And let's see how that looks. So does that mean Simon Peter continues to live a life of a sinner? No. Encountering God changes everything. 
For example, Moses, an exile working as a shepherd under his father-in-law, becomes the shepherd of God's people after meeting God in the burning bush. Paul, in Isaac calling my, one of my boss's words, from killing Christians, he becomes a killer Christian after encountering God on the way to Damascus. And there are many more. Encountering a good, compassionate God who is sovereign over everything transforms our way of life. What's better? He even tells us how that's going to look like. Verse 10. And from now on, you will fish for people. The call was not just for Simon here. Let me make that clear. But also for James and John and everyone who is witnessing and encountering God alongside. And that includes us as we read this passage today. In saying that, fishes of men might look different for different people. It can look like a full-time ministry role or helping your people, friends or colleagues at work or your family members. Guys, we are ministers of God wherever he has placed us. So Simon Peter felt naked, felt assured, felt forgiven. And when this assurance and certainty takes one over, this is the response. It's 11. Left everything and followed him. This is Peter's response, Simon Peter's response on realizing his certainty in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. A new direction, a transformed life of helping people to know God. As Christians, we are all called to leave behind everything that controls and rules our heart and mind and follow Jesus. And this will be a lifelong struggle. Don't take me wrong there. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a lifelong struggle as there will always be things that would compete with the rule of Jesus. It will always be hard to leave behind everything and follow Jesus. You know why? Because we are sinners. I would end up with a few implications here. If you are someone who is still considering Jesus, like Theophilus, who Luke writes this gospel for, address this gospel, who has heard about Jesus but needs some clarity probably, If you're still considering Jesus and feeling that there's something wrong with this heart, let me encourage you to let Jesus have a go at your heart. Like how Simon did. He let down his nets. Allow yourself to encounter God. If you're feeling overwhelmed or do not know where to start or what to say or whom to approach, you will have an opportunity to fill connect cards. May you just fill your details and write in the comment section, I want to talk. That's it. Don't feel like you're logged in with us at all. It's just to have that initial conversation with you and see where we go. And here's the good news. There is certainty for the healing of your heart from sin. The biggest heart issue. 
Because there is certainty for the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. And if you're someone who's already put your trust in Jesus, I want to take time to acknowledge the weightiness of Christian life here. There are temptations, and then there's guilt, and then there's more temptations. The awareness of being sinful can be draining. And all I want to remind is that, first, don't be afraid. When God of all creations says, don't be afraid, then you don't be afraid. Nothing that you have done surpasses what Jesus has done for you on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. Let's not limit God's forgiveness because we cannot forgive ourselves. You will never be worthy of God's grace for the forgiveness of sins. God's grace makes you worthy. Let me repeat that. You will never be worthy of God's grace for the forgiveness of sins. God's grace makes you worthy. It's not earned. It's a free gift from a loving and a compassionate God. You're totally covered. And there is certainty of forgiveness of sins in Jesus. The last implication for you is no sins of yours stopped God from sending his son on earth and dying for you. Right? Therefore, stop running away. He's calling you. But in saying that, if you're dealing with some heavy guilt at the moment and are unable to process, how about I encourage you as well to write the same message that I want to talk in the Connect Cards. And let our pastors pastors help you with their pastoral care. And I would even encourage you to consult a professional if needed. Because you're not alone in this. And you know what? You're not meant to be alone in this. Thanks to God that he steps into our tiny boats and provides us with personal and mind-blowing encounters where there's no other reaction than to leave everything behind and follow him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that we can call you Father because you are good and a compassionate God. And you are so personally invested in all our lives to provide us that encounters through your word, helping us to know you, where there is no other reaction than to leave everything behind and follow you. But Lord, today I want to pray for everyone. Who is having a hard time? I want you to let them know that they don't have to be afraid and that you work with us sinners for your glory. And bless everyone who is still wanting to encounter you, Lord. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, CP.
Don't be afraid. You will now be fishers of men. What a great promise that is from our Lord Jesus Christ. What's something that stood out to you from the sermon today? Is it to not be afraid? Do you feel the weight of sin on you? What's something that stood out to you? So take a few, uh, few moments now to think about something that you were challenged by in the sermon uh, or stood out to you. And in a few moments, we'll have Ping up to finish up, um, us up with prayer. <laughs>